Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth episode of Digital Downtime. It's your boy Gilly here. The Game Awards 2023. Come and gone. Very interesting night. A lot of people have comments about the overall show's pacing and focus, which will we will, trust me, we will, dive a little deeper in. But the way I'm going to split this up is we're going to talk about all the winners first, and then we'll talk about all the announcements toppled off with my overall and final thoughts about the show in general. For this week's Have You Played This, it's tied into what was kind of revealed at the Game Awards by one famous publisher slash developer. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, let's talk the Game Awards in its entirety. So let's get the big one out of the way first. Game of the year. As I mentioned, the nominees in the very first episode. Alan Wake 2 by Remedy. Baldur's Gate 3 by Larian. Spider-Man 2 by Insomniac. Resident Evil 4 by Capcom. Super Mario's Wonder and Tears of the Kingdom. Bolt by Nintendo. And as predicted, no surprise here. Baldur's Gate 3 winning. And well-deserved. I promise you all one day I will tackle this game when I feel like I have the time and mental capacity to do so. It might take a while, but uh, we will play it, so no surprise here. And uh, Baldur's Gate 3, I think if I remember correctly, ended up winning six awards. But yes, no surprise here. Like I said, the sleeper winner here could have been Alan Wake 2. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom just because it's the Zelda. Or Baldur's Gate 3. And uh, Baldur's Gate 3 won. So no surprise. Congratulations to Larian Studios. Uh, next up is Player's Voice. Um, Baldur's Gate 3, Phantom Liberty, Genshin Impact, Spider-Man 2, and of the Kingdom. This was obviously uh, one of the awards we did not talk about in the first episode because it wasn't a thing then. And there was like a multi-round voting process. For the specific award, the player's voice is obviously 100% just uh, player voted. I'm glad to see uh, Phantom Liberty in here. I really am. And um, also surprised to see Genshin Impact, but that kind of just shows the game's following and, uh, you know, how big it really is. So there's that. You know, obviously, I'm not really attached to the gacha scene or mobile gaming or like that, those vein of games, but uh, there is strong uh, pl- uh, player bases to them. So, but once again, the winner, Baldur's Gate three, no surprise. Best game direction: Alan Wake two, Baldur's Gate three, Spider-Man two, Wander, Tears of the Kingdom. Ended up going to Alan Wake two, so congrats, Remedy, on that. Uh, clearly. Uh, phenomenal direction from what I've seen. And this is probably a game I will be tackling soon. So, congrats to Remedy. 
on that one. Best Art Direction, Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I thought Best Art Direction should have been um, either Hi-Fi Rush or Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Because I just think uh, colorful, poppy visuals is what, you know, it's the art style that helps games remain prevalent in terms of, like, visuals. And, you know, not dating themselves, let's say, like, five years from now, ten years from now. Um, I was rooting for Hi-Fi Rush on this one. Uh, but this also goes to Alan Wake 2. Uh, I am not surprised, but um, yeah. Best score and music. Now the site I'm looking at says it went to Tears of the Kingdom, but if I remember correctly, wasn't it FF16 that won this? Am I tripping? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, I'm looking at PCGamer.com just for full disclosure of what I'm checking. Um, that one is incorrectly listed. Um, it was Final Fantasy 16 as the winner. And well-deserved against. Uh, well-deserved again, sorry. Composer uh, Masayoshi Soken. Well-deserved. Uh, the other nominees included Alan Wake 2, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, Hi-Fi Rush, and Tears of the Kingdom. So, uh, PC Gamer, I don't know... You're probably too big to listen to this podcast or even know who the hell I am. Fix your shit, right? Because I was like, wait, it was FF16. So, congrats to Square Enix and uh, Masayoshi Soken. Well-deserved. Best audio design, uh, Alan Wake 2, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Spider-Man 2, RA4. Now, to me, it had to be one of the horror games. I know Dead Space did a wonderful job. Same with RE4 and Alan Wake 2, I guess. Uh, but when we're looking at audio design, which is obviously different than the previous award, which is scored music, um, Hi-Fi Rush was very integral. The audio design, because it was keyed literally to the core of the gameplay and how the game functioned. So, and that was the winner. So shout out to Tango Gameworks. I'm just glad Hi-Fi Rush won something. And again, a title I will play. I know I say this a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it will be something I play eventually. I know it's on the shorter side too, so congrats there to uh, team at Xbox, Bethesda, and more so developers, Tango Gameworks. Great left field game to bang, bang off the year. Something uh, many players were not expecting, especially from the from the devs of Evil Within and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. So shout out to them. Best performance. Uh, we had Ben Starr. FF16, Cameron Monaghan for Jedi Survivor, Idris Elba for Phantom Liberty, uh, Melanie Libbard for Alan Wake 2, Neil Newbone for Baldur's Gate 3, and Yuri Lowenthal for Marvel Spider-Man 2. Uh, I know a lot of people were voting or rooting for Ben Starr for his performance as Clive, FF16. Uh, the winner was Neil Newbin, Baldur's Gate 3. Again, like I said, probably much deserved. Uh, this is one of the tighter categories. I think I mentioned this in uh, the first episode of Digital Downtime as well. Shout out to Neil against Baldur's Gate 3. And I won't, you will be hearing a lot of these awards being won. Uh, so huge, huge, huge technical, not technical, huge feeding body of work by Larian Studios for what is Baldur's Gate 3 from all fronts. Because they're almost nominated. You know, they won six awards, but they're almost nominated for every single category, which is kind of wild to me. So, shout out to them.
innovation and accessibility um you know i don't know much because these are this is kind of a category you kind of have to play the games to really figure out all the stuff they put in for accessibility features and whatnot so i could be a little ignorant here but we had Diablo 4, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Mortal Kombat 1, Street Fighter 6. Uh, the winner was Forza Motorsport. So shout out to Turn 10 Studios and the team at Xbox. You know? But I do know Street Fighter 6 um, had a lot of accessibility issues along with Mortal Kombat 1, I believe, as well. Because they're trying to make fighting games more and more accessible. But... Um, Shout out to Forza Motorsport. Games for Impact. Now this uh, nominee was interesting to me. And uh, if you caught my live uh, stream of the Game Awards. um, It's not really an issue. But Games for Impact. It's like what defines an impactful game. Right? What's the criteria? Are we looking at you know how accessible the game is? It's direct social impact or commentary. How it moves you. Um, like what, what, what does games for impact really, you know, define, like, can we define what games for impact really means? I feel like the crowd, the criteria here is very broad. So that's the only, uh, thing for me that gets a bit confusing on, okay. So like what, 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 what is this category really recognizing sort of thing? But we did have a space for the unbound, uh, chance for Sonar, goodbye, volcano high, Chia. Terra, Nell, and Venba. Um, the, most of these game, most most of the games in this category every year are usually indie titles. So obviously they're probably starting to push some sort of like social commentary or something along those lines. Um, the winner was Chia, and this game is uh, pretty pretty cheap right now on the PS5. I know it's coming out on Steam next year, so it might be something I pick up soon and just go through. Obviously, it's a, it's, it's an exploration kind of. Lack of better words, I hate using this term, but Breath of the Wild, that's game, because, you know, there's been plenty of exploration games before Breath of the Wild. But, um, shout out to Chia. Um, and the Game Awards helped me learn about the other nominee in this category, Venba, uh, which is like an Indian cooking game. It's all a bit of insight when I was watching them live. So, uh, might be something to check out too, you know, being Indian myself to see what kind of um, a message is conveyed in that game. But yeah, shout out to Chia. Very, very cool. Best ongoing with Apex Legends Cyberpunk 2077, FF14, Fortnite, Genshin Impact. Uh, usually, this uh, this category is reserved for multiplayer games as you know, continuously update. So, like seeing Apex here, FF14, Fortnite, Genshin, these are kind of your standard uh, nominees in this category. And then we have Cyberpunk 20, 2077. Now, I don't know if it's more of an ongoing thing, I guess, for them to push out update 2.0 and now the recent update 2.1, which adds even more stuff. Um, and then Phantom Liberty as a whole, you know, it, it, it required a lot of ongoing development behind the scenes. Um, and Cyberpunk did end up winning, which is, uh, a bit interesting to me, but nevertheless, um, you know, I keep referring back to this first episode. I spoke high volumes about what Phantom Liberty is and the state of the game now compared to like the six out of 10, I, I gave the game, you know, three years ago at original release. So I'm glad to see Cyberpunk win it because the game did come a long way. Like I said, it's still not like I wouldn't play through the base game again. But just going through Phantom Liberty and doing it all and the ride that was. Um, obviously, like if the core mechanics weren't fixed, I felt like Phantom Liberty wouldn't have been that awesome of a ride. 
nevertheless, like obviously the story written and you know Dogtown was cool, um, but obviously the overall overall overhaul of the game's uh, mechanics and engine and perk trees and everything made it a better experience. So shout out to CD Projekt Red. Um, obviously it's not a trend that likes singing gaming, you know, where games are messy at launch and then they get fixed over time and they get like this universal praise. Uh, but you know, there are some instances where devs just completely dropped the game. You know, they made their money, whatever they move forward. So, um, I'm a bit over the middle of the line here. Like, I don't think they deserve the overpraise because obviously the game should have been better at launch, but I still will give respect for them to uh, sticking to it and, uh, making it experience it is now so shout out to cd project red uh best community sport uh ballers gate 3 cyberpunk 2077 to destiny 2 which is kind of a lamau uh f 14 and no man's sky uh, best community sports always usually the ff14 uh you know winner automatic but this year i went to ballers gate 3 and uh, let's not forget before ballers gate 3 got officially released this year it wasn't early access for a while and uh you know people were praising it then and obviously learning listened to feedback over the, the two years or however long it was to publish uh the full release 1.0 to what it is today or what it was when it released in august to all this universal acclaim so it uh, makes sense to me best independent game we have cocoon dave the diver dredge sea of stars and viewfinder um you know it was funny, all the controversy with Dave the Diver, which we already touched upon in uh, early in the first episode as well. But um, pretty strong year, um, as I mentioned then as well. Um, you know, usually indie games get more of a focal point, but I think this year was just so stacked with AAA games after AAA games. They kind of got lost in the mix, uh, but obviously Cocoon's been getting some recognition, same with you know, all the nominees here. Um, and the winner was Sea of Stars, which is uh, what I was kind of expecting just for you know what the game did and its love for the 8-bit you know snes uh, rpg era love by a western studio you know so for them to develop like an old school jrpg that has been beloved by hardcore fans of the genre and stuff um good on them well deserved best debut indie game obviously reserved for games that are published or developed by first-time developers so Cocoon and Dredge, Pizza Tower, Venba, and Viewfinder. Uh, this one was given to Cocoon. And this game is something I've been keeping my eye on. So we'll play it eventually. For sure. Best mobile game. Um, like I said previously, I don't know jack shit. Not really much of a mobile gamer. I rarely even use my Switch in portable mode, to be honest. It's just not how I prefer my gaming. But... Nevertheless, we had Final Fantasy VII, Ever Crisis, Hello Kitty, Island Adventure, Honkai Star Rail, Monster Hunter Now, and Terra Nail. Uh, the winner here is Honkai Star Rail. And like I said, Hoyoverse um, developed both Honkai and Genshin, if I am doing that correctly. Yes, I believe so. So um, both very popular. So no surprise here with Honkai Star Rail winning. Actually, it's a decent game, so. Best VR, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon called the Mountain, Humanity, Resident Evil, Village VR Mode, and Synapse. And uh, this was a no-brainer for me as well. The only right choice here was Resident Evil, Village VR Mode, and that was the winner. So congrats, Capcom. 
Best action game, we had Armored Core 6, Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Remnant 2. And like I said, uh, I picked Armored Core 6 to win just because it really defines what an action game is. From Software kind of just mastering that genre at this point, and that was the winner. So again, another non-surprise. Best action adventure, we had Alan Wake 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, RE4, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom won this simply because couldn't win Game of the Year this year, but they had to give them something. I think I mentioned this would be my pick of the winner, so really no big surprises so far in all these categories. Um, best RPG, and you know, at this point, do I really have to even mention? We had Baldur's Gate 3, FF16, Eliza P, Sea of Stars, and Starfield. Um, I think all these games deserve to be here, minus Starfield, but though Starfield, like I said, was disappointing, I didn't live up to like the major hype behind it. It was still a solid, you know, like I said, 6.5, 7 out of 10 game, and it is an RPG, no doubt about that, nevertheless. So, you know. It got pointed somewhere. So you Starfield fans, you don't have to cry too hard. It was at least recognized for something. Some sort of nominee. Obviously the winner here is Baldur's Gate 3. But I'm glad to see Sea of Stars here. Uh, like I said. For an independent studio. To be nominated against these heavy hitters. Good job. Uh, also shout out to Liza P. Because. Um, you've been hearing great things about that. Probably the best Souls-like release of the year. You know, some people are saying it's Lord of the Fallen, something. I think it's Liza P for sure. So shout out to uh, Round 8 Studio to get nominated and to uh, Sabotage Studio for Sea of Stars. But yes, Baldur's Gate 3, not a chance, right? Best fighting game was also straightforward. Like I said, you know, you had God of Rock, MK1, All-Star Brawl 2, Pocket Bravery, and Street Fighter 6. Obviously, Street Fighter 6 had to win this or I would have been throwing hands myself. <laughs> get it? I would have been throwing hands. Best fighting game. Yeah, okay. That's, that's my dad joke for the episode. I'll stop. Shout out Capcom. Best family game. Uh, Disney Illusion Island. Party Animals. Pikmin 4. Sonic Superstars. And Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Uh, again, another category that's usually essentially just saying best Nintendo game. Um, I thought Party Animals should have been the winner here. But, of course, there's a lot of controversy around the, around the game not having local co-op and getting review bombed on Steam and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it just didn't grab the attention that I thought it would in terms of uh, the street, the streaming, creators, the land space, and just overall, you know, like, I know it's hard to recreate that Among Us, uh, you know, hype magic that once bestowed upon us back in 2020, uh, but I thought maybe Party Animals would have been able to capture at least half of that essence, but it didn't. So, um, the winner here was Super Mario Bros. Wonder, um, you know, obviously this, the... The co-op mode is probably a lot of fun and whatnot. Uh, just uh, would have thought it would have been party animals, but hey. Best sim strategy: uh, Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp, City Skylines Two, Company of Heroes Three, Fire Emblem Engage, Pikmin Four. Um, I think I voted for Engage. I don't remember correctly now what we went through in the first episode regarding this category specifically. Uh, so I thought it would have been uh, Engage or City Skylines 2. End up being Pikmin 4. And I know Pikmin 4 is a strong title with the beloved, beloved, uh, loyal fan base behind it. So shout out, shout out to Pikmin. Uh, best Sports Racing. I think I voted for ESports FC24 because that's the only one I really play. But uh, besides that, we have F123, Forza Motorsport, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, 
Cree Motorfest, the crew, the Cree, the crew Motorfest. So essentially four racing games in FIFA uh, for the motorsport was a winner. So shout out to Turn 10 Studios again for their second award of the night. Best multiplayer. We had Baldur's Gate 3, Diablo 4, Party Animals, Street Fighter 6, Super Marvel's Wonder. I thought this would have gone to Street Fighter 6 or Party Animals. It ended up going to Baldur's Gate 3. And um, I guess the reasoning behind it is because uh, there is co-op in the game. I'm not stupid to that. But obviously, depending on, you know, what your friends or your co-op members, what their playthroughs are like, and, you know, the interactions they have with certain NPCs and their backgrounds. And like I said, I'm just, from my knowledge, right, can change your whole entire experience. So it makes sense to give it to Baldur's Gate 3 because it's probably just such a unique experience with your friends, right? Best Adaptation, like I said, another strong category. Uh, Castlevania Nocturne, Gran Turismo, Last of Us. Super Mario Bros. and Twisted Metal. Uh, to no surprise, Last of Us was the winner. Most anticipated game was also not surprising because, I mean, you had Hades 2 in here, like a Dragon Infinite Wild, Star Wars Outlaws, and Tekken 8. No disrespect to Hades, obviously very beloved f game for the first one, but it is an indie title. Same thing with like a Dragon, no disrespect, but most anticipated... You never really hear, like, Yakuza being, like, you know, the, the most best-selling or largest impact game of the year, right? So, uh, Star Wars Outlaws, while it looks promising to me and many others, and just Ubisoft and Mass's track record can be a little, can be a little worrisome. So, and then uh, Tekken 8, again, I'm very hyped for it. I'm looking forward to playing it. But, uh, you know, the fighting, community, the fighting game community as a whole across the board, you know, not as big as we think compared to like the realm of gaming as a whole so that only really that only uh leaves us with ff7 rebirth and uh that was what won and uh it's just because ff7 is just one of the most beloved games of all time and obviously probably one of the most major if not the most major jrpg ever made so obviously um, you know, they're doing the trilogy for FF7 with the remakes and Rebirth looks does look pretty crazy, I'm not gonna lie. So for me this is pretty unanimous that it won, so there you go. Uh the rest is content creator of the year, best esports game, best esports athlete, best esports team, best esports coach, best esports event, which we don't have to go through um in much detail, but content creator of the year was Iron Mouse, best esports game was Valorant, best esports athlete was Faker, best esports team was JD Gaming. Best esports coach was Potter, and the best esports event was the League of, Le League of Legends World Championship. So, yeah, that was the winner. Those are my brief thoughts on them. Um, nothing really too out of the gate for me here, aside from best multiplayer, but I understand why. Best sim strategy, and maybe best family as well. But in terms of the major awards, I think we predicted them all right. Um, so, yeah, those are all the winners. Now, next, we'll be talking about all the announcements, which is going to definitely take a lot more time here. So, uh, sit back and relax, and we'll try to, I'll try not to drag this on too long, all right? All right, so let's talk about all the announcements, which essentially what the Game Awards is, and we'll touch more about this later. Um, I remember reading a statistic saying, that only 30 minutes out of the three and a half hour show was focused on the actual awards themselves. So, um, interesting statistic there, but, uh, essentially the game awards now, or, or has been for a while, 
kind of just a winter version of E3. So uh, the announcements is a big part, the big reveals and whatnot, and it's what most people, to be honest, really tune in for. Um, the awards really more or less don't mean a lot because you got to enjoy whatever games you want to play. Uh, your enjoyment for a game is always subjective, so remember that. Um, I don't know why people get so caught up with the winners and losers. Um, I just like discussing them because it's fun to me, like what I predict and whatnot. And, uh, you know, for the most part, nothing was a surprise in terms of the winners. Uh, but let's get into these uh, chunky amount of reveals and world premieres uh, for the Game Awards 2023. Uh, a lot went on. Uh, the pre-show kicked off with the Brothers Tale of Two Sons remake. I don't know, like, this really needed a remake or whatnot, but it looks hard, right? No, I played the game before, so this is something I'm going to skip over. Um, but it is coming out. Forgot, early 2024 sometime. So uh, that's what kicked off the pre-show. Uh, next was uh, Pony Island 2. Uh, this is from the inscription creator Daniel Mullins. And it features a mix of a first-person open world, the 2D within a game... Uh, that mixes multiple formats from old school pixel gameplay. Uh, slated for 2025 or 2026. The trailer kind of kept us on our toes of when it was going to release. But it looked pretty interesting. Uh, next is The Rise of the Golden Idol. Which is the sequel to The Case of the Golden Idol. Which is a game I have yet to play. But I want to play. Uh, I saw The Boy Sees a KCD in the third play. Um, if you're not familiar with who sees is. One of the goaded uh, people within the content creation space for gaming. So uh, always find out some, some of these more unknown or overlooked uh, indie titles from him. So, uh, but yeah, The Rise of Golden Idols coming uh, to Netflix games, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, Switch, and PC. Um, so it's interesting to see the games that Netflix games is incorporating into their catalog. Uh, and it looks interesting. So there was that. Next was Usual June. Uh, the next game from Finji, the studio behind Night in the Woods and Tunic. Um, the trailer showed the, t you know, the character June, hence the title of the game Usual June, was being followed by Mysterious Ghosts. Looked like a cool art style. I'm not sure about the gameplay, but this will be launching in 2025. Uh, Harmonium the Musical. Um, musical adventure game from the Odd Gentleman. Made to be accessible to the deaf. The game is fully subtitled, and everyone in the game speaks in sign language along with the singing. This will be coming on the Game Pass and Netflix games as well. We saw Windblown, uh, latest creation from Motion Twin, the creator of Dead Cells. Uh, the teaser trailer did not show any gameplay, but introduces one of the characters, the world, and a foreboding cyclone. Uh, set to hit early access on PC in 2024. We saw Thrasher. Uh, Described as a mind-melting cosmic eraser and an essential audiovisual experience from Drool. Studio behind the 2016 cult hit Thumper. Uh, the trailer showed, up some, showed off some of the game's psychedelic gameplay and hinted at a 2024 release window. Next, we saw a partnership between two of the more bigger, well, bigger two independent games, Dave the Diver and Dredge. Based on your definition of what's indie. Uh... Two unexpected hits uh, coming together. Uh, the creatures and the characters from the Horror Fisher game are coming to Dave the Diver on December 15th. Uh, let me just check my calendar here. 
So that will be the same day as this podcast will be released. So if you're interested in that, make sure you check it out. We saw Exodus for the first reveal during the main show. Uh, we have Matthew McConaughey come out for this. Uh, new sci-fi RPG from Archetype Entertainment, which is a studio made up of former Bioware developers. Um, and to me, the game looked very Mass Effect-y. The trailer uh, introduced the main character, known as the Traveler, um, and introduced the game's time dilation mechanics, uh, which they also showed gameplay, and that mechanic's going to play into both the gameplay and storytelling. So um, when they first showed it, I was like, this looks very Mass Effect-y. Later to find out, it's from former Bioware veterans. So that makes sense to me. A big get with Matthew McConaughey. So interested to keep my eyes on that. Not that anyone does nothing about the release date or anything there. So and surprise news, we had God of War Ragnarok Valhalla announced as a free downloadable content for God of War Ragnarok, which is said to be a free roguelike mode where Kato's travels with Mimir to mysterious island filled with monsters. And then the mode will be available on December 12th. So when this podcast is released, it will be already out for three days. So I still got to go through the base game. But the fact that they're going to have a free roguelike mode for a AAA game is very intriguing to me. And, uh, you know, before I, I echo this a long time ago uh, with the Returnal, I want to see more AAA studios attack uh, the roguelike, roguelike genre. And now we get a free mode for it. It's very interesting indeed and a good surprise. We saw Big Walk, cooperative multiplayer adventure about teamwork and walking, where players will band together to solve puzzles and make new discoveries. Developed by House House, who released Untitled Goose Game and scheduled to launch in 2025. Game looks very quirky and fun. Next, we have one of Xbox's heavy hitters, Hellblade 2, Sonova Saga. Uh, followed by a performance of the original song for the game, Helung. A new trailer for Hell, uh, Hellblade 2 was shown, which is obviously Ninja Theory's next project. Got to see a bit more of the game, multiple locations, enemies, and some gameplay. Finally, the combat. And it said it's scheduled for release in 2024. Nothing more specific beyond that. But the game does look pretty crazy. Everything that was shown was captured on the Series X, not the PC. So I really hope this is a, something very big for the team over at Xbox because the amount of love and hype and time and promotion they're giving to the title, I'm hoping it will be. And Ninja Theory does deserve that. So I just hope it delivers. Now, one of my favorite announcements for the entire night, we saw No Rest for the Wicked. And uh, next game from Moon Studios, who are the creators of the Ori franchise. And uh, this is Moon Studios' take on a Diablo-esque game, for the lack of better words. But yes, it is an action RPG. Clearly has more of a darker tone than their previous projects, based on the violence and gore. Uh, it follows a kingdom whose king has recently died, which plunges the world into chaos. The game will offer single-player and four-player co-op, as most ARPGs do. And more information will be shared during the Wicked Inside Digital Showcase on March 1st. My dumbass originally thought that March 1st was their release date. And I was like, wow, that's like right around the corner. Crazy. But it's not. It's a digital showcase. And it will be also, I saw saying that it will be releasing on PS5. 
so this won't be um you know given ori was exclusively to xbox and pc originally before going before going over to the switch and whatnot i thought this would have been like another xbox title but uh it will be multi-plat but nevertheless it looks fucking sick if there's any game i talk about during this whole announcement segment from the, the game awards please please check out no rest for the wicked in ARPG from the Ori devs. So next we saw Dragon Ball Sparking Zero. A new Dragon Ball game in the Budokai Tenkachi style of arena combat. Brief trailer showed Goku, Vegeta, Frieza, and more Dragon Ball's well-known characters battling out. I'm always in for some new Budokai Tenkachi. It looked visually sick. No more details given on the release date or whatnot, but it will be coming out to the Xbox Series X, PS5, and PC. We saw a casting of Frank Stone, which is a joint venture development, I guess, from Behavior Interactive and Supermassive Games. Obviously, uh, Behavior Interactive, the Dead by Daylight devs, and Supermassive Games is responsible for Until Dawn, The Quarry, etc. It's a narrative horror game set in the wider universe of Dead by Daylight. And uh, the trailer showed off some of the choices players will make through the story. It's confirmed a 2024 release window for Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. So we'll see how that will be. Next, uh, we have a game from Square. And when they showed it, I thought it was going to be a new Dragon Quest. Um, and then before my buddy Dave corrected me, saying it looked like a new Mana game. And indeed, it is Visions of Mana. Uh, Square Enix bringing back a storied Mana RPG franchise with Visions of Mana. An all-new entry due for release in 2024. Showed off the game's many characters, locations, and a few enemies, including the fan-favorite Rabbites. And will be releasing in 2024 as well. For the PS5 and PS4, surprisingly, Xbox Series X, S, and PC. Now for a very big reveal, we got to see OD, which I'm guessing will be Overdose, but who knows what what, what that title could mean. But this was putting the rumors to rest. Uh, the long-rumored collaboration between longtime developer and storytelling Go, Hideo Kojima, and Xbox Game Studios finally revealed in a bizarre trailer with the multiple people reciting the same speech in different ways. Uh, Jordan Peele was also revealed to be collaborating on the project, and Kojima mentioned that there will be more and more, maybe, I guess, horror minds, creative, dubbing them as the Avengers working on the title. Don't know what the fuck this is going to be, but it looks interesting. But... um. Jeff, I don't think Kojima needed like 10 minutes on stage to explain this, and I'll explain that later why. But Kojima on Xbox. So another big reveal for Xbox following Hellblade 2. It's good for them. Saw Fortnite Rocket Racing, which has already been out. Go play it. FF7 Rebirth. Um, we saw a live performance of the song from Upcoming Rebirth. A new trailer was shown, and there's an extended version of the trailer that wasn't shown at the Game Awards, which is worth checking out, especially if you're FF7 fans. A lot of things going on in that trailer, let me tell you. And then there's also an Apex Legends collaboration coming out in June, I mean, January. So talking about left field stuff, well, not, didn't have, uh, 
Apex Legends and FF7 and Square and Respawn working together in my Game Awards bingo card. But uh, yeah, teases the the, the FF7 trailer teases something about an iconic character with an iconic moment. Keep it at that. We saw Tales of Kedzara Zhao, Metro style action game made by Surgent Studios, part of the EA Original program. EA Originals, obviously, it's a publishing team by EA looking to highlight smaller games. You know, it takes two, uh, a way out, um, a few other games. So a very cool little uh, project for EA, focusing on some of indie titles to get that showcasing. Uh, the game follows a mystery surrounding his father and involving the God of Death, among others. Uh, the game la- set to launch April 23rd on X- Xbox, PlayStation, the Switch, and PC. And uh, it's going to tackle grief. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the individual presenting was very emotional, talking about his own grief in life. So something to keep your eye on right here. Tales of Kinzara Zao. Z-A-U. Uh, we saw another game from Don't Nod, Lost Records, Bloom and Rage. Uh, Don't Nod's been doing a lot of shit. Uh, follow, the game follows Swan, Nora, Autumn, and Cat, four high school friends who, who reunite 27 years after promising never speak again. Um, at this point, I'm not really sure how my interest level peaks for Don't Nod games, but they're always showing something. So if that's part of your bucket interest pool, check it out. In terms of a very another surprising reveal, we saw Marvel's Blade, and we know Marvel's been getting their feet wet, not their feet wet, have been getting their feet wet in the gaming sphere. Um, obviously, we have Marvel's Spider-Man on the PlayStation by Insomniac. Insomniac also be, is working on Marvel's Wolverine. We know they have a collaboration with EA, working on an Iron Man game and a Black Panther game. And now... We have Marvel's Blade, which is made from Arcane Lion, responsible for Deathloop and the Dishonored series. Not Arcane Austin, who's responsible for Redfall and Prey. So I think it's in the right Arcane Studios hands. Um, the brief teaser showed Blade in a barber's chair before gunshots and other noise outside interrupt his appointment. There's no release window, and there was no clear Xbox marketing around this either, which is a uh, Making people wonder online. And people always, I feel like, have this repeated thing about, oh, is this game going to be closer to Xbox? They're doing it with Starfield. They were doing it with other things. And to me, I don't know any reason why Xbox would allow Bethesda and Arcane Lion to make this multi-plat since they own them. So expect this to be a PC and Xbox exclusive and day one games pass. Because that's kind of the whole point of uh, Microsoft and Xbox acquiring all these studios. And it would make sense so that uh, Xbox has their own flagship kind of Marvel superhero game. As PlayStation has both Spider-Man and Wolverine eventually. So, very excited for this. Uh, was not expecting this to be announced at all. Gives me hope that it's Arcane Lion working on the title and not Arcane Austin. And it's also going to be a third-person game, which I think is their first venture, if I'm not mistaken, considering Death, Dishonored and Deathloop are both FPSs. So, all right, first-person perspective, at least. It's not really just a straight-up shooter, but you get, you get what I was saying. Very excited about that. Uh, Mecha Break. Uh, Mecha Battle game developed by Seats on Games. 
3v3, 6v6 of Battle Royal modes. Uh, yep. Armored Core style PvP game. See how that goes. Uh, Salt Pallia, which is a cozy life sim, which I've seen, I feel like I've been seeing a lot this year and just a trend in the past couple of years. Coming to Nintendo Switch on December 14th, so today. Let's check it out if you want to. Light No Fire, next game from No Man's Sky Creator Hello Games. Uh, the teaser trailer, which is supposedly all in game footage, shows a group of four players traveling. Across a challenging world, both on foot and flying on a winged beast, multiple biomes are shown from snowy mountains to arid deserts to lush green fields. No release window, but could be an interesting title. Thought Stormgate uh, debuted a new story and gameplay trailer during the Game Awards. Uh, new character in the game called Wars, who will be voiced by Shanghai and Barbie star Simulu. Who also came out to present and announce this announcement. So we'll see how Stormgate is. I know it's made by X Blizzard devs. I know it's been kind of, kind of getting a little bit of a slightly mixed response based on the early playtesting and whatnot. But uh, I hope Frost Giant Studios pulls it off because there needs to be a bigger fish in the RTS scene. It could be this. So, uh, saw Alpha Valentine. Get added to Guilty Gear Strive right now. Final Fantasy 16 DLC. Uh, there will be two story expansions coming up for FF16. Echoes of the Fallen and Rising Tide. Echoes of the Fallen is now available. And it sees Clavin and company stand up to what the trailer calls an iconoclastic defense system. Where I think the bigger Rising Tide um, is going to be more of a chunkier expansion. Which is said to release in spring 2024. So a lot coming up for FF16. Maybe something I should pick up. Who knows? Uh, the show closed off with Monster Hunter Wilds, the next installment of the Monster Hunter franchise. Obviously by Capcom. The brief teaser showed a hunting riding showed a hunter, sorry, sorry, riding a monster through a pack of traveling creatures who are also luring larger monsters to them. The game is scheduled for Xbox Series X, S, PlayStation 5, and PC in 2025. And uh, not really announced, um, not really mentioned during the show, uh, but, you know, Baldur's Gate 3, as we were mentioning earlier in this episode, won Game of the Year and many other awards, uh, got released instantly on Xbox X Series S, so instantly out. Also, I'm using GameSpot.com to check these out, so I'm just, I'd just like to show my sources of what... I can't memorize all this stuff all, but they did not mention the finals anywhere here. So the vi the finals got uh, released during the Game Awards. They showed a trailer and it got silently dropped. So I did play the beta of that and we'll be checking it out. So probably by next podcast time, you'll hear my thoughts on the game. Apparently it is a lot of buggy stuff going on. But um, don't want to forget about the finals made by Embark Studios, right? Let me just check Steam real quick. I think I have that right. Anyways, which is a former ex-dev. Ex-dev. Holy shit. Ex-dice devs. You know, Battlefield. And you do get those vibes when you play the game, so. Yeah. That was all the announcements. What were you guys the most hyped for? Um, 
for me, I'm just scrolling through this again. Make sure I don't miss anything. Marvel's Blade is one that's interesting to me. Uh, FF7 Rebirth, of course. OD. Uh, Dragon Ball. No Rest for the Wicked still up there for me. Hell's Blade 2. Um, and this is also missing... Come on, GameSpot. You're missing another one. Okay. Rise of the Ronin was also shown uh, by Team Ninja. You know, Ninja Gaiden and Neo Devs and whatnot. Their open world like Samurai kind of goes to Shima-esque, but obviously going to be way harder, more tight game. Uh, coming out in March, I believe. Um, so let me just let me just check out another site here to see every single announcement. Because I felt like something's got missed. So just to recap, um, for 2023, Baldur's Gate 3 for Xbox out, Finals out, Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Traders see out now, FF16 X of the Fallen out now, Ark Survival Ascended out now, Guilty Gear Strive, uh, Character DLC, Lego Fortnite, Avatar, Valhalla will be out by the time this podcast is out, uh, 1.0 for Ready or Not, Dave the Diver Dredge, Alia, and a few other games, excuse me. 2024, um, obviously Apex Legends Final Fantasy VII collab, January 9th. Oh yeah, Prince of Persia Lost Crown, January 18th. Persona 3 Reload, February 2nd, 2024. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, February 2, 2024. And uh, I wanted to touch a little bit more base on Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Um live action service elements is still making me kind of mad about it and i know the game's just getting just universally crapped on now but the more and more i see of it the more and more i see it being like a true rocksteady game obviously they made the batman arkham series and was a beloved beloved franchise so the more and more i see the gameplay of suicide squad it looks interesting to me but we'll just see how that goes but that's february 2nd hell hell divers 2 is february 8th uh, Banishers goes to New Eden February 13th. Skull and Bones February 16th. Doesn't get pushed back again. <laughs> February 28th is Brothers of Tales Who Sun Remake. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth February 29th. Uh, yeah, Rise of the Ronin. Sorry, there you go. This is what I was mentioning about the PS5 exclusive by Team Ninja. Open World Samurai S game. March 22nd. We had Black Myth Wukong as well. Don't can't forget about that one. Another uh, Souls-like S game in the folklore of uh, Wukong. Looked interesting to me as well. August 20th, 2024. Uh, Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine 2, September 9th, 2024. So I got to play the first one. And as being a third-person shooter lover, I'm sure I like it. Uh, Final Fantasy I've seen Rise and Tide, early 2024. Uh, Metaphor Re-Fantasio by Atlas. Also an action game coming out late 2024. Stormgate Early Access mid-2024. And uh, a few other titles. Um, so I knew I was missing. I knew GameSpot was missing. I guess I said the biggest announcement. So the other titles weren't appear to be big for them. But um, a lot going on there. Um, let me just recollect my thoughts here. This will show you the ones I'm really hyped for. Um, obviously, I will be checking out that Ragnarok Valhalla DLC. I don't think you even need to play the core game to just access the roguelike mode. But uh, I should probably play through it regardless. 
So I am interested in that. I will be playing the finals as well, and I'll give my thoughts on that next podcast, I promise. Um, Sono 3 Reload will be on the Game Pass February 2nd. Suicide Squad, I got to look at as well. Helldivers 2 looks interesting to be a third-person co-op shooter. Anything third-person I usually keep my eye on. So we will be keeping our eye on that. Uh, FF7 Rebirth is obviously the big chunky title. We're going to be the biggest one of the bigger releases in quarter one, 2024. Uh, Rise of Ronin again. Something I'm keeping my eye on. I'm not going to lie. The audio was kind of scuffed during what they were presenting at the Game Awards. And visually, just the game overall didn't look as crazy as I thought it would be, given the studio behind it. Um, but usually their gameplay is what carries the Team Ninja games. And if they can kind of nail the open world game, like to me, what it seems like Rise of Ronin will be is like a hardcore version of Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, that is yet to remain seen if that's what it will be, if that's what it will really be. But yes, I'm interested. Uh, Black Myth Wukong, interested in that. Uh, Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine 2, also interested in that. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, I got to play it. Maybe I'll be interested in DLCs once I get through it. Uh, Metaphor, Refantasio, the action RPG, Atlas, interested in that. Um, Hellblade 2, Visions of Mana, interested in those two as well. Uh, 2025 what we had monster hunter wilds um i am guilty of not really playing monster hunter world or rise you know even even after being told many times to check it out just seems like a lot like a big time sink right and uh time is a currency that i really value nowadays hence why i started this podcast compared to trying to push in a bunch of streams and stuff because i just don't have time slot on my side but um Maybe I'll check out Rise. It's 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 better to get through, but um, or like quicker to get through than World is. But yeah, that could be cool. And then the games without release dates, obviously Rise of Golden Idol. I'm interested in. Got to play the first one. No Rest for the Wicked is still like very very um up for me. And then, oh yeah, also shit, man. Like these sites aren't doing this shit properly, man. Um, Sega had a really interesting trailer where they showed five games, and uh, you know if you've been gaming a long time like myself, um, essentially they're taking a bunch of games from the Genesis, Dreamcast era, and in one trailer they showed a remake for for Streets of Rage, Shinobi, Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, and Golden Axe, like five complete remakes in one trailer. And said they were, had more in development. So they didn't give a definitive release date. But I'm really hoping like a couple of them come out next year, 2024. Or maybe they'll just like release all five as a package. Could you imagine they just release all five as a package? Because, you know, all, all of these games are a little shorter in length. You know, Golden Axe, Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, Shinobi, and Sweet the Rage. But if they released all five remakes in one package, could you imagine? And then did like another pack like that and just kept doing that. I think would be awesome for nostalgic gamers such as myself and just getting it shown, giving a modern touch to all of them and introducing it to new audiences. Um, but a lot of questions yet to be remain seen on how Sega approaches those games from a gameplay standpoint and how gameplay standpoint and how they modernize them. I know Jet Set Radio needs a modernization for sure, um, but visually they look sick. So how could I ever forget about that? So yes, very excited for what Sega's doing as well. We'll be keeping a close eye on that. Uh, Dragon Ball Sparking Zero as well. OD for sure. Anything with Kojima. Uh, Marvel's Blade. 
probably not gonna see that game like forever but interested in that as well so there's a lot there's a lot if i had to give my big t big three takeaways i would probably say no rest for the wicked marvel's blade and the sega remakes my top three this is top three things i really want you to see from all these announcements it's probably going to be those um but a lot was shown for a variety of genres and fans so if they had something you did not like i don't know what to tell you obviously looking here we had uh, a lack of presence from nintendo so i'm sure they'll be cooking their own direct pretty soon especially with the rumors of new hardware coming out in 2024 so nintendo fans don't lose hope yet very strong year for nintendo anyways this year regardless super mario bros wonder tears of the kingdom uh super mario rpg fire emblem engage pikmin 4 among many 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 other titles exclusively really exclusively released this year so they definitely went out with the bang so they'll be cooking something soon um i also think playstation is kind of they must be cooking something because to have really just rise of their own in here present with the definitive release date for march 22nd um and then some ff16 expansions and obviously ff7 rebirth is what is sony really riding on to carry them for a strong quarter one 2024 the exclusivity seems like it's not gonna be uber long on ff7 rebirth from what i've been hearing and seeing hearing and seeing and buzzing within the industry but aside from that there hasn't been much cooking giving all the development developmental teams and ips playstation has so i'm interested to see what their 2024 and 2025 roadmap looks like i'm thinking wolverine will be a 2025 title but um where's factions where's 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 uh gorilla's next game where's ghost of shima 2 maybe they're doing too much of the open world samurai shit because they have ghost of shima already and it seems like that's going to get a sequel and then they have rise the ronin and uh you know ff7 rebirth also open world and i've talked about this before i think maybe sony's trying to trap themselves kind of in this third person you know storytelling open world environment we will see we will see for sure but um out of the big three obviously nintendo didn't have a presence sony had a you know expected a presence um but i think surprisingly microsoft cooked finally how blade 2 looks awesome od finally showing kojima's game is awesome and having jordan peele part of it's pretty big looks very interesting to me uh, arcane working on blade also pretty crazy and then obviously they keep pushing the game pass forward and they're gonna have uh Kona three on it and probably x amount of t other titles as well so kind of my thoughts kind of what i've expected well not expected but um a lot a lot was shown a lot of surprising stuff um but i think um obviously if you're a big nintendo sony guy you might have been like okay i want a little bit more and obviously there's been games you know i feel i feel really bad for the, the silk song fans i'm one of them 
It's never get anything. But yeah. That's kind of it for the announcements. I'm just going to scroll down here and see some of the comments. Um, people still asking if Blade will be an Xbox exclusive. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Um, people excited, excited for Monster Hunter. Um, people complaining about Arcane making Blade. Not knowing this is two different studios. Uh, some guy said a whole lot of nothing. I don't know if that's true. Uh, let's see. Arcane Line has never made a good game. Xbox hasn't had an exclusive 2015. They went third party in 2017. This guy said Arcane Lion never made a good game when they literally made the Dishonored series. And, you know, obviously Deathloop was a bit more mixed, but people always forget. It's two studios, man. All right. Anyways. That's for the announcements. Um, let's talk about the show overall now. So, a couple things I know I wanted to talk about. First and foremost, um, and Jeff's already kind of addressed this, but I think the I think uh, the winners, the award recipients, need more time to talk, and. Uh, I say this because um, right off the rip, when I saw the best narrative award presented by Christopher Judge, aka the voice of Kratos, and it was won by Alan Wake 2 and Sam Lake, obviously, you know, very emotional and very happy to win best narrative in a very stacked uh, narrative year. Spoke for maybe about under a minute, and then they started playing the music for him, and I've been seeing the, the video footages from the awards saying, you know, the teleprompter saying, please wrap it up and stuff like that. And, you know, I get it. It's, it's so that the show wasn't like six hours long because it's still being like three and a half. It's pretty long. And it's to keep the flow of it. And I know Jeff Keighley um, relies on his advertisements heavy for the show to happen every year. So obviously it's going to be very ad focused and very announcement focused because that's what brings in the f viewers. But since it's called the Game Awards, we should probably focus a little bit more on the games, right? I understand you have quotas to me and you have expectations by people that you want to kind of deliver and whatnot. But my suggestion is maybe we should uh, have a limit on the presenter side of thing as well. Because I swear to God, uh, Christopher Judge was up there cracking jokes, saying his, speech longer, saying his speech last year was longer than the COD campaign. It's probably true. But he still talked for like three, four minutes, man. Like, you're just here to present an award. You know, maybe just make a joke like, hey, my speech last year was, you know, longer than the COD campaign. Ha, ha, ha. And then be like, all right, here's the nominees, right? So poor Sam Lake. And it happened time, time, and again. Uh, Anthony Mackie came out. And it's no disrespect to Anthony Mackie. Okay, Clarence from 8 Mile. Okay, Falcon, you know. And apparently he did good in Twisted Metal as well. No disrespect to you. But this man was up here like five minutes uh doing like a stand-up bit like just present the award okay and uh this was uh a, a criticized heavy on twitter and i'm glad it was because it is at the end of the day still the award show right not the game announcements 2023 it's the game awards tga stands for the game awards not the game announcements which you couldn't know the difference 
if you watch the show. But please, if we're going to have a limit on the winners, award recipients, and their speeches for the sake of timeliness and flow of the show, um, let's just do it both ways, okay? Um, I think it should be about a minute the presenter has, right, to talk. Obviously, you show your video packages, reach the nominees, and then you just present the, then you just announce the winner. I think a minute is fair. And then about two to three minutes for this award recipient. Doesn't mean they have to, you know, take up the whole two to three minutes, but at least give them minimum two, right? Before you start playing that music, because a lot of sweat, blood, and tear going to video game development. We've been noticing that between, you know, the long time it takes studios to come out with games nowadays in between games. And it was a tough year for the gaming industry as, as a whole with all the layoffs I mentioned in the last episode, just with Naughty Dog, you know, such a beloved and, you know, powerful and probably profitable studio still facing uh, employees still facing hardships and layoffs. And I think it was what, like 5,000 plus people in the gaming industry that got laid off this year. So um, let's give the recipients some time, hey, to uh, really relish in their, in, in, their, in their achievements of what they were able to put together. Because as gamers, like I said, uh, the game awards might just be mostly for the announcements, and Jeff knows that, and that's what he focuses on. Um, but for these devs, um, this game awards show is the biggest uh, showcase for them to receive an award for their game to get you know more eyes on it. Like I said, that's why you know indie devs hope to get their game shown here because it's the best platform for them to be seen. Um, even like a team like Remedy and Alan Wake 2, I'm glad won like best narrative and best game direction and they had that performance and I'm glad they had all that because I think the game only sold like 200,000 copies first month, which is like, what the fuck? So, um, and I mentioned this in the very first episode of Digital Town, Downtime as well. The Game Awards is going to exist in this format. It's not going to exist at all, especially at this, you know, at this like caliber for 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 it to be this grand right because jeff does need his advertisements and his announcements to bring in the viewers and bring in the money but please if we're gonna limit the award recipients time we should limit the presenters time as well for the sake of making the show even more seamless and tight-knit and more focused right and uh as much as i love kojima i think he's awesome i love metal gear solid i love death stranding i love his narrative mind he didn't need 10 minutes to talk there right show the trailer have kojima come out because it's always it's always great to see him have him talk briefly about the game have jordan peele come out and say they're collabing and there's gonna be more creative minds in the game boom it could be like a two to three minute segment okay so there's just things like that the kind of um you know you can call them nitpicky but um i just think if it's called the game awards there should be some sort of focus on the on the awards aspect of it as well uh, but a shout out to all the winners like i mentioned earlier nothing was surprising to me for the most part um resident evil 4 didn't win anything just a thing of note just something i kept note of while watching the awards and uh marvel spider-man 2 i think despite being up for like six categories uh did not win anything as anything as well obviously spider-man 2 would have been a great winner in the action adventure category any other year um but since uh baldur's gate 3 was going to be game of the year winner uh there's really no choice but for zelda to win best action adventure so now 
Let's talk about have you played this this seg- this this week's segment. And I mentioned earlier it's going to touch base while it was shown at the Game Awards, and it will. Um, have you played this? Is going to be just a collection of what Sega shown this week. So they showed five remakes: Street of Rage, Shinobi, Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, and Golden Axe. Now, when I was really young, I remember playing Streets of Rage on the arcade machines. I haven't got a chance to play Streets of Rage 4 yet. Same thing with Shinobi. I think Shinobi was on the Genesis, the 2D one. I did play that as well, but don't remember much of it because I was like three, four years old at the time, three, four years old at the time. But I have played Streets of Rage. I've played Shinobi. I played Jet Set Radio. Uh, not during the Dreamcast era. I actually never owned the Dreamcast. But um, I played it off Steam. I want to say 2021. But I'm just going to get the exact date for you. Because uh, I have my game organized in terms of like beaten, unbeaten. Yes, last played January 27, 2021. Got through the entire game in around six and a half hours. So not very long. Um... And when I was mentioning that Sega's remaking it, I'm glad they are. Because the art style on Jet Set Radio is really sick already. So if they just like make that modern HD 4K or whatever you want to call it, it's going to just look fucking sick. Um, but if there's any game that needs modernization for its controls, it's definitely Jet Set Radio because the controls on that are... Whew, that's all I'm going to say. But... Um, yeah. And then we have Crazy Taxi. Again, something I played deeply... The arcade machines. I also played a shitload of it on the PS2. And then Golden Axe. Um, this is probably the one title I actually haven't played. I think I played a, I think I played the one on the Game Boy Advance. It's like a side-scrolling beat-em-up, hack-and-slash kind of game. It wasn't the Game Boy Advance, right? Or am I tripping? Sega Smash Pack. So I did play Golden Axe. But, um... All five of these titles, uh, Streets of Rage, Shinobi, Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, Golden Axe, is for this week's Have You Played This, just because this was not something I was expecting uh, Sega to announce. If you haven't played any of these titles, you can find ways. Jet Set Radio is going to probably be your easiest in terms of, you can find it on Steam. Uh, Jet Set Radio Future is also a great title, so if you don't, if you do own a Series X, uh, I believe Jet Set Radio Future is one of the Xbox original Xbox compatible backwards titles. So you can just try to find a hard copy and slide it in your console. Uh, I think you can also find Crazy Taxi. There, there's so many Sega collections and Genesis collections. and They've done so many, it's hard to keep track of. I'm sure you can find all five games. And all five are great. Like I said, Streets of Rage and Golden Axe are both like 2D beat-em-ups, but with completely different uh, settings and atmospheres. Uh, Shinobi is more like a 2D action side scroller platformer, kind of in a met- not a Metroidvania sense, but more so just straight up like a 2D action platformer. Jet Set Radio is just like you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like a kind of like open sandbox uh, 3D platformer type of I guess sports high visual toward the game. It's just sick, man. But I really do hope they modernize the controls in this remake. Crazy Taxi, Crazy Taxi. You smell me. Just just bonafide classic. You can just play that game hours and hours on end for fun. So, yeah. Go play some Sega games for Have You Played This. 
specifically focusing on these five just because we saw the remix for it in a very, very surprising, uh, you know, trailer for me at least. So I know um, for nostalgic people, like kids like myself, I know I was about like six or seven years old when the Dreamcast came out probably. Um, that kind of grew up with these games on the arcades and then know about them. And obviously some of the older gamers, boomer gamers, uh, very excited about some of these. Um, I saw, what's his face? I saw Cold Carnage, um, and his, uh, segment revolving Sega and how excited he is for the titles. Uh, Maximilian and the rest of you, your video games excited. Um, so obviously that's going to be the demographic that's going to be very excited for these titles for sure. But, um, I hope Sega finds its way to introducing them to new players as well. So very excited about those. Yeah, but that's going to be the five titles. Probably the only time you'll see five titles and have you played this, um, or this week's have you played this segment. But I appreciate everyone for checking out the episodes. We're, uh, this is the fourth one, so we're already a month in doing digital downtime. Time flies. Um, so it's it's been great. Uh, the people that hear me on whatever platform it is. Obviously, we're on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, but we're on a plethora of other podcasting sites. So if you use Podbean or whatever else, I don't know. There's... Uh, it goes on a bunch of podcast uh, directories. So wherever you're listening on, I appreciate it. Um, as always, if you're looking for me and my individual handles, it's Gilly, G-I-L-L-I-E-P-G. Um, on whatever. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. In terms of digital downtime, you can find digital downtime on YouTube. You can also find it on Digital Down Pod at Digital Down Pod on Twitter, and then Digital Downtime Podcast at Gmail dot com. As always, you know if you're looking for any, if you're looking to sponsor something, you're looking to be a guest on the show, have any other comments or concerns, you can reach out on on the email or the Twitter. Probably the two best places. That was the Game Awards twenty twenty three. Uh, overall, essentially, no surprises with most of the winners. But some very surprising game announcements. Um, as a whole, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful year as gaming. And like I said, if you do not believe that sentiment, you definitely aren't opening up or expanding your horizon in games. And that's all I got to say. You know what I mean? And uh, 2024 is looking even crazier. Regardless of what platform you game on, uh, a whole array of multi-platform games look wonderful. PlayStation has some things cooking, but they must have more cooking in the back back pot somewhere. Uh, Nintendo is always steadily cooking, and uh, you know Xbox is a strategy of acquiring X amount of game studios for X amount of years. It's finally start showing some dividends. Um, so I hope twenty twenty four year hope twenty twenty four is a strong year for them. I really do. And um, you know, I think whether you like Western RPGs or JRPGs, 
platformers, action games, FPSs, you know, for the most part, um, there's something for everyone. And uh, I'm glad the Game Awards exists for a platform for these games to get shown, especially the more indie, uh, smaller ones. But yeah, we need to fix um, the pacing in terms of the presenters and the award recipients. So once you fix that, fix that, Jeff, give a little bit more time to the awards themselves instead of running through like five winners in like a minute, right? I understand it. Trust me, I get it. Advertisements for the money, announcements for the viewership. But you already recognized it, so yeah. But as always... I'm your host, I'm your host, Prince Gill, aka Gilly, aka your boy, Shmelmi. Thank you for being here. And we will see you next week, as usual, every Friday, right here on Digital Downtime. Thank you very much.